0: And uh, this morning we're going to move on. We finished our series last week on uh, living our best life, which is a loving life. So there's no more love. All right, love's done with. Finish that. We can all go back to how we were. No, 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 not really. But I trust you got something out of it. I trust you got lots out of it. I certainly did. I've really enjoyed uh, teaching it and studying it. And uh, so this morning we're a little bit in between. But I want to, this morning, bring a message which is very intentional because next Sunday... Um, we have an opportunity. We're going to have a baptism service next Sunday morning and again on Sunday night. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. So I want to speak around that theme this morning. And I want to talk particularly around the theme of identity. Identity. So Father, help us this morning. Help us to see what we need to see. Unveil things. Shine your light on things. Uh, Let your word just sit and land where it needs to sit in our heart today, I pray in Jesus' name. Well, amen. So, identities is important. Um, mistaken, has anyone ever had a mistaken identity? No. I, I remember one embarrassing moment here in our, uh, in our own staff. Um, Nikki was standing, I think out in the foyer somewhere, and Jordan, our son, arrived. And uh, so Nikki sort of sidles up beside him, puts her arm around him and started rubbing his tummy. Because that's what she does. Like, you know, it's good to see her. And how many of you have noticed that Jordan and Ben look very alike? And suddenly, Nikki became aware that it was a mistaken identity. It wasn't Jordan, it was Ben. And the thing was, Ben didn't even move. He just stood there. I think he liked having his tummy rubbed. So you can all see Ben at the back of the church later on the way out. And just give him a little tummy rub, all right? A little... But mistaken identities, we'll, we've all maybe had them, maybe you haven't, but anyway. But the whole word identity is a very important word in our current cultural situation. In fact, they've, they've coined a term around identity, and it's called um, identity politics. Anyone heard that term? Whereas, you know, where we form, where people form political alliances around identities. And you identify in a certain group, and therefore there's an, a political alliance actually grows around that, um, that identity. And it's all about who's in and who's out. And if your identity is this, well, you're definitely out. And if your identity is this, well, you are in. And it's all about your designation, We, you know, you are designated as something or someone. Now, in Jesus' time, nothing's new under the sun. How many of you know that? In Jesus' time, identity was a big deal. Um, So, this is not a new thing. This is not a new issue. And in Jesus' time, it was very much, you know, there was the very clear, distinct, the identity was, you know, obviously the obvious one men and women. Uh, It was about slave and free. But the biggest one by far, the biggest identity issue in Jesus' time was the one of Jew and Gentile. A Jew and a Gentile. And if you were Jewish, according to that, you know, that time and that culture, if you were Jewish, well you were most definitely, you were in. Because you were the son of Abraham, you were in. But if you were Gentile, that would be us, most of us, um, you were definitely out. And so ingrained was this identity um, way of viewing life that the temple, their church, was actually designed around identity. And they had, they had, they actually had the Gentile court. And so, Jewish people they could go further into the temple, but the Gentiles they could only go so far in the temple. If you were a Gentile, you were definitely on the outer. You're on the fringes. You could only go. So far in the temple, you imagine if we did church like that on Sunday. You know, it's kind of like, you know, well, we won't even try and break it down, but you know, kind of imagine if you actually designed your church around identity. And then along comes somebody who changes and challenges all of that. And his name was John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, he challenges the status quo of conventional identities. And uh, as I said, next Sunday we have the opportunity for baptisms. And in fact, we're going to have a baptism service in the morning, and we're going to have a baptism service again at night. How good's that? And baptism is actually all about this idea of identity. Very much it is about identity. Baptism is about a public designation, a declaration of your new identity. And it's, 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 you know, it's what your identity is in and who you see yourself as. And so I want to look this morning and learn from John the Baptist. You know, I used to think John the Baptist, I thought it was because he come from the Baptist church. You know, we had Cole the Catholic and, you know, we had Peter the Presbyterian and Max the Methodist and we got John the Baptist. That's actually not what this is about. We call him that because he baptized people. And the word Baptist, baptized actually means washer. It doesn't quite sound the same, does it? John the Washer. We, could have had, we go to the local washing church, the local washers. Never mind, we'll move on. I want to go to Luke chapter uh, 3 and I want to read some verses um, and I've, I've picked a few of them out because I'm not going to read the whole story but I'm going to read firstly um, from chapter 3, they're all the verses from chapter 3, so firstly verse 2 and 3, it says, during the high priesthood of, uh, of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John son of Zechariah in the desert. He went out into the country, this is talking about John the Baptist he went out into all the country around Jordan preaching a baptism of what? Of repentance for the forgiveness of sin, that's important so what was his baptism all about? It was all about repentance for the forgiveness of sin. As it, uh, now we'll get, jump down to verse 7. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers. Come and see Pastor John, everybody. He'll, he'll set the record straight. You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, out of these stones, God can raise up children of Abraham. Now, let's get to verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So what does John teach us this morning? And what does this incident... This, this most important incident of the baptism of Jesus teaches us about identity. Just an interesting aside, you know, uh, the four, all four Gospels mention, only two of them talk a lot about his birth, but all four of them talk about his baptism, because this is an important, a very important thing that we, we need to understand. So what does is, what is John the Baptist, what does this story teach us about identity? Well, The first thing that this teaches about identity, that John teaches, is that, you know, identity politics is all about who's in and who's out. Well, John teaches us here that everybody's out. No one is in. Remember the Gentiles? They were out. The Jews? They were in. The temple, the church, the whole thing was designed around some being out and some being in. And, you know, we we live in a day and age where we want everybody to be a winner, right? Everybody gets a prize. Is that the way it is? Every, well, as far as John was concerned, nobody was in. Nobody got the prize. And so John was re, was preaching a baptism of repentance of sins. Now, the Gentiles, they were clearly outsiders and, you know, they worshipped Zeus and Hercules and uh, those dirty Gentiles, they needed to be cleaned. They were unclean and they needed to be cleaned and they needed to be washed. And in fact, there was a way that if you were a Gentile, there was actually a way that you could become a Jew. If you wanted to, you could actually convert to Judaism. And so, you know, you go off to the local rabbi and you say, how do I become a Jew? How is I a Gentile and become a Jew? So the rabbi explains to him how that he could become a Jew. Um, so firstly, he, he says, let's deal with the most di- difficult part first. Um, And he tells him about circumcision. And right now he's thinking, well, Zeus and Hercules is looking pretty good to me. But if we can get past the first obstacle, we get on to the next. And then he says, then you've got to obey the law of Moses. Um, He said, and then you you go through a ceremonial meal. There's food involved. And then you've got to go and you've got to make a sacrifice at the temple. And then you go into a ritual cleansing. And where they went and they actually washed themselves... And it was actually like a ceremonial washing. It was a washing away of your Gentileness. And it was symbolic of washing away your Gentileness and rebirth into Judaism. So Gentiles could do that. They Because they were out and the Jews were in, okay, but the Jews didn't have to do that because they were, Jews, they were sons of Abraham. They were in already, right? Well... Not according to John. Everybody was out. Nobody was in. In fact, in verse 8, John says, and he says to the, to the best of the Jewish, to the, to the leaders, to the Pharisees and the, the, the Sadducees, he said to them, you, you think because don't you dare think. Look, In fact, let's put up verse 8. He says, we have Abraham as our father. Do not begin to say we have Abraham as our father, we don't need this. We are, we are Jewish people. We have Abraham as our father. Who can see this? He's gone, don't say that. The fact is, you too need to be cleansed. You too have issues. You, still, you too have needs in your life. Your efforts are not enough. Your parents' best efforts weren't enough. Doesn't matter how religious you are or what your heritage is, you're out. That's a good start, isn't it? I don't think he read How to Win Friends and Influence People. So firstly, John identifies everybody, Jew and Gentile, as being out. You can see why it was such a radical thing, can't you? But then he also identifies that only Jesus is actually in. Because if you read in John's account, and we won't look at the verse, but you can read in John's account of it, through the crowd, there's, you know, there's people gathered out to hear John speak and they're, you know, they're believing what he says and they are being baptized and it's a baptism of belief and repentance, and of repentance of sin. And John's baptizing them and they're queued up and you know, John's baptizing them and through the crowd comes Jesus. And John sees him and he says these amazing words. He says, behold the Lamb of God, and other words, look, this man here, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And by his own words, he's identifying, firstly, you know, they, they knew that a lamb was an animal that they sacrificed for their sins. And the lamb had to be, as we know the story, you know, the lamb, you just couldn't get a, a mangy old. You know, lamb that was fly blown or fly, fly struck and about to fall off the perch. You had to get your best lamb without spot or blemish. It had to be the best of the best of the best. In fact, they would inspect it. And there was people who were professional inspectors. The priest would inspect the lamb to make sure that it was perfect. And if it passed muster, if it was perfect, you could then sacrifice that lamb on behalf of your sin. And then John goes, Behold, look, here comes the lamb. Of God that takes away the sin of the world at best a real lamb could take away the sin of a family you could sacrifice a lamb on behalf of your family and but often a lamb was sacrificed at best for a family but also for an individual but John says here comes the lamb that will take away the sin not only of one or a family but of the world everybody, he will take everybody's sin upon themselves, take away, the takes away the sin of the world. So John identifies Jesus as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, but then in doing so, John was identifying Jesus as the sinless one. By his very words, calling him the Lamb, he was identifying that he was sinless, right? He was perfect, But listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 3, in Matthew's account, Matthew 3 14. Listen to what Matthew says. Jesus comes out and he says, Hey, I want you to baptize me. And John says this. He says, But John tried to deter him, him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? In other words, John was saying this You're in a different category. You are the Lamb. This lineup of people is for people repenting of sin. This is not you. I qualify in that area. I'm in that category. Jesus, you should be baptizing me. John, in that moment, saw Jesus as absolutely perfect and sinless. Who can see that? Amazing. So John is identifying. He's identifying Jesus as the lamb, the perfect lamb that takes away the sin of the world. He's identifying Jesus as the sinless one. In fact, he's saying this. He says, Jesus, he's saying, Jesus, you are actually with all this group of people. Jesus, you are the only one who's actually in already. You are the only one that doesn't need this. Who can see that this morning? You don't need this. So John identifies some things. But then so does Jesus. Have a look at what Jesus identifies. Firstly, he identifies that John's message is true. You see, baptism... those times was a sign, it was an outward sign, an outward declaration that you believed and identified with a certain rabbi's teaching. If you followed a rabbi, you know, so that's why, you know, Jesus, they kept, you know, the disciples, they called him rabbi. It wasn't uncommon for people, rabbis, to have followers. And if you followed a rabbi and you believed his teaching, the public public example of that was that you were baptized and you were saying to everybody, hey, I believe what this man's teaching is true. And so when Jesus says, you know, John goes, oh, I shouldn't baptize you, you should baptize me. Jesus says, no, 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 you need to baptize me. Why? Because he wanted to make a declaration that what John said was true. And when Jesus was baptized by John, he was saying to and everybody that was watching knew that Jesus was saying, Hey, what John is saying is true. I am the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I am the Savior of the world. So Jesus is being baptized, He's making his own public declaration to everybody there and present that John is speaking the truth. Jesus identifies something, but there's a greater identification this morning, I think we all need to see and not miss. And this, this blows my socks off. This is amazing. Because Jesus identifies himself with all those people. What were they? What was the baptism for? Repentance of sin. And Jesus identifies himself as one of them. In that moment, that's why John's going, oh, whoa, wait, 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 wait. You can't, you can't be a part of this. This is not you. But Jesus fully identifies Himself with all of those people. Think about that. There, were, there was, I mean, there was crowds. So you could, there, there were adulterers in that crowd, right? There was there was thieves in that crowd. There was liars. There was probably murderers amongst that crowd. There was every kind of sin and human failure. It was a microcosm of humanity. And in that microcosm of humanity, in that group, represented every sin that was taking place in the world, right? And Jesus comes and stands with them. Jesus identifies himself with them. And let me tell you this morning, that was Jesus identifying himself with us. This was Jesus looking forward to the cross. Listen to what it says of the cross in in Corinthians. It says, he, For he made him who knew no sin to what? To be sin for us that we who are out might become the righteousness of God. That we who are out might become in. But he first identified himself and he took upon himself your sin and my sin upon himself and first he identified with them. Isn't that amazing? Jesus identifies with a Group of repentant sinners says he It talks about you know when John says, Behold the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world, the word take away means to carry, to lift, up, to remove. And Jesus Was already identifying. He was known as a friend of sinners, right? He was without sin, but he was known as a friend of sinners. He was identifying, he was associating with sinful people because one day he would take their sin upon himself. He became murder, he became adultery, he became every sin that you would want to mention, every failing in humanity, he became that. And that's why, that's why at that moment on the cross, the cruelest part of the cross for Jesus was not the, 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 the physical crucifixion as cruel and as as barbaric that was the greatest pain for Jesus was that moment of separation where he who was once the 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 diadem of heaven he was the beauty was the he was the beauty of the father's eye in that moment on the cross the father looks away he becomes a picture as the sin of the world was laid upon him he becomes a picture of ugliness and the father rejects him and turns his face from him and Jesus says my father my God why have you forsaken me Because in that moment, Jesus bore upon himself our sin. And the entire wrath of the Father was poured out on the Son. The price was paid for every sin imaginable. And at that moment, He was He was all those things on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us. My gosh, what a picture. Jesus identified himself with sinful people so that we who were out could come in. I said, He, we who were out because of Him could come in. How good's that? We're in today. And then Jesus sends out His disciples, Great Commission. Sends him into the world. Matthew 28:19. He's going to the world, make disciples of all nations. What does it say next? What does it say next? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptize them according to their new identity. According to what they believe. Jesus identified himself with sinful man, and now he says, I want you to identify yourself with me in baptism. Baptism is about identification, it's about other things, but it's about identification we now publicly identify ourselves with him we identify ourselves with him in his death listen to what galatians 2:20 says it says i have been crucified with christ i have been crucified why could i wasn't there you weren't there but i was my sin was there i've been crucified with christ and i no longer live but christ lived in me We identify with Christ in His death. Can you can you identify with that this morning? In that moment, that He was He lived the life that we couldn't live, and He's dying the death that we should have died. Because my Bible tells me that the wages of sin is death. And that moment on the cross, Jesus was was was. It wasn't just Jesus dying; it was me dying. It was my, my sin being, being wiped out, my sin being obliterated, the wrath of the Father poured out in full. So identify with Christ in his death. Identify with Christ in his burial. Have a look at Romans 6.4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. We were what? We were Buried with him. You know, baptism signifies, represents an identification that my old life was crucified with Christ. It's dead. Now, not a trick question, but what's the best thing to do with something that's dead? You bury it. So baptism is an identification of the death and of the burial but it doesn't end there. How many are glad that's not the end of it? Baptism is all about death and burial. God bless you. Go home. Enjoy the rest of your week. But it's what? It says in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12. It says, you have been buried with him in baptism which you are all, in which you were also, what? Raised. With him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. You're not only dead and buried, but you've been raised again and we identify with that. And because he died, I died, because he was buried, my old life was buried. And because he rose again, because death couldn't keep him down, and he was a sinless one, I now identify with him as a new creature in Christ. Behold, all things passed away, and all things have become new. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's worth getting excited about church. Huh. You have a new identity. Jesus identified with us who are out to bring us in. And when we are baptised, we are identifying ourselves publicly with him. And you have a new identity. You have, you, you, he, he brings us in. He brings us into a new family. Romans chapter 8 and verse 15 says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you will live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your, your Adoption to sonship and can I say daughtership? You get the picture? Alright, you you have been, you, you have a new identity now, you have a new family, you are a part of the family of God and that means that you have a new father. That's why Jesus said, he said, when you pray he said, I want you to pray by saying, our father. Now I used to always think of that and Man, You might have thought of this a long time ago, I'm slow. But I, and I just realized this, that this is not just about, I used to think our as just being like you, 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 and you know, us together, it's our Father. But it's Jesus saying, hey, as our brother, it's Jesus as our brother saying, we can together pray, our Father. He's my brother. And it makes the Lord's Prayer so different when you think it through like that. Don't have time to open it up, but gee, I'd like to. So we're in, we, we have a new identity because we have a new family. Jesus is my brother and God the Father is my father. How good is that? So I have a new identity because I'm part of a new family. And secondly, I have a new identity. I am, I, I am brought into, into a family and I'm brought into a body. I identify into a new body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. I haven't got time to explain a heap of it, but we were all baptized by one spirit as to form what? One body. That's written to the church in Corinth. And there was one identification mark. There was a whole lot of things that identified them as Christians, but the one thing that identified the Corinthian Christians, the Corinthians in in Galatia and in Ephesus, and you could go through the one thing, the one thing, the distinguishing feature that set those those people apart as belonging to the body of Christ was baptism it was external it was a public declaration of a new association i'm now a part of the body of Christ i'm a part of the church there was no such thing as an unbaptized believer It wasn't about their heritage. It wasn't about the decisions that their parents made. It was the fact that they were saying, I believe. I believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world. I believe that he died on the cross. I believe that he was buried. And I believe that on the third day, he rose from the dead. I believe. This is my public expression. This is my my message to all those here and present, I am a follower and a believer in Jesus Christ. How good's that? It's the pattern of the New Testament. They believed and were baptized. Wherever people went, whether they were Gentiles or Jews, no matter what had gone before, when they believed in Jesus, they were baptized. And they were all baptized into the one body. next Sunday, as I said, we have an opportunity for baptism, an opportunity to identify yourself with Christ. Last Sunday night, we had a baptism. Seems like the season of baptism. We had a baptism service last Sunday night. Probably maybe some pictures might appear up on the wall behind us. We had eight people last Sunday night get baptized, and it was an outstanding night. People sharing their testimony. Just like, I tell you, Mate, bring a tear to a glass eye. I'm just, I'm just so happy, so like, so proud of what God is doing. You know, just to see and hear testimony is like, this is what this is all about. Thank you for your underwhelming response. <laughs> this is about people saying i believe are they ever going to have trouble are they ever going to have challenges again yes Are they ever going to have doubts again yes but there's a time they can look back they say i put my trust i am publicly declaring my identity as a christian as a follower of jesus christ how good is that great job pastor ben by the way great job ben and tamara all the team yeah yeah go ahead give them a clap So quite a few people often said, hey, I want to get baptised too. And so on Sunday night, next Sunday we've got a baptism service on We thought we'd make the opportunity available on Sunday morning. And also again on Sunday night, there's more that are going to be baptised. How good is that? So on Sunday morning, we have a baptism opportunity in the second service. So if you have never, as an adult, if you have never, Since you believed in Jesus, made a public declaration through baptism. There's a whole lot of ways you can declare your faith. But the Bible way and the way that Jesus said, go and make disciples and baptize them. He said it, so let's do it, right? If you, whether you've been a Christian for years and years and years and years and years and years. In fact, one of the churches I was in, a man who was becoming an elder in our church, came and he spoke to me very quietly. He said, listen, I've never been baptized as an adult. My parents made the decision for me when I was a child. I was baptised as a child. Thank God for parents who do the best they can with what they know. This is not a a payout on people who baptized their children. But listen, wherever through the New Testament where people believed it was followed by baptism, it's a believer's baptism. And if you've never as an adult been through the waters of baptism, mate, we'll have this tank nice and full. And look, we've even got a heater in there. How good's that? When I got baptised, I was in the Kiwa River. There was ice caps floating past. There's people throwing rocks at no, not really. But we, we're gonna have a baptism service next Sunday morning. So I right, we haven't got any names down at the moment, and look, if, if we don't, and people have all been baptized, that's great, but I guarantee you there are some people here this morning you have never been baptized. Next Sunday morning is your morning. And we would love to baptize you and celebrate with you. Because that's what Christians do. We do a whole lot of other things but that's the distinguishing mark. That's your public... No, I love the fact people can put up their hands and say, I'll respond to Jesus. All those kind of things are good. But to me, the thing, the, the, the coup de grace, is that the right word? The, the thing that says, hey, this, this is what actually tops it all is that I declare. It's a step of obedience. You're not, not saved without it, but it's all about identification. So on Thursday night, this Thursday night, seven o'clock here at the church, going to have a baptism information night. Take about 45 minutes, hour, depends on the questions. Going to have an information night here, Thursday night, seven o'clock. Please sign up for it. Put your name down, be helpful, take responsibility. Put your name. This is important. If this is important, it's important enough to sign up for, right? Put your name down, sign up for it. And you can listen. If at the end of the night you choose not to, that, that's totally, and you're not ready for that. I understand. So it's not, if you attend on Thursday night, you are going to, we're going to drag you into the tank next week. No, no, no. It's an information night, but I would encourage you, if you've never been baptised as an adult, next, Saturday, next Thursday night at 7 o'clock. When? 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. And get your name down. Sign up at the Connect Desk. Make sure we've got a Connect Desk sign-up sheet for it. Wonderful. You know, for people in that time... For them to publicly identify themselves as Christian come at a huge cost. For many of them, it cost them their businesses. For many of them it cost them their lives, their livelihoods. families suffered. But there was a public identification. How many of you know that was a big deal? In this world today, there are still for people in many different nations and cultures, for them to be baptized, it's kind of like it's a big decision, because it's going to cost them. Well, my response is that Jesus was prepared to identify himself with us. I think we ought to identify ourselves with him. What do you say? What's your identity in? What's your identity in? Do you know this? such thing as identity theft. Anyone heard of identity theft? Where people actually steal your identity and they'll use it to their own benefit. There's all different kinds of identity theft and you know financial and medical and even children there's, there's a whole lot of identity theft. there is still an identity thief it's not new, there has always been an identity thief in fact Jesus was baptised and at his baptism, something significant happened, can anybody tell me what happened at his baptism, what happened help me out here, what happened Holy Spirit come and what did he say He, he said this is my son what's that that's identity. This is my beloved son in whom I love. Wow. And whom I am well pleased. I just don't accept, but I'm, I'm pleased. Do you know, when you get baptized, you get a new identity. It's, 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 it's identifying yourself and saying, yes, I agree with this, but it's like, you are God's son and daughter. You are loved and you are, here. You are well pleased. You are enough. You, can't, you, don't have, you don't have to keep trying to prove yourself some other ways to try and, you know, you are enough already. And we try and fill that identity thing with so many other things. We try and fill our identity thing with possessions and status and positions and what people think and all those kind of things. Let me tell you, do you know what they're called? The Bible calls them Idols. They're filling the place. We're looking to them to fulfill a place in our life that only Jesus can fulfill. That's why our mission statement is to inspire people to make Jesus the center of their life. has to start with you and I. And so the enemy comes to steal our identity. Now listen, Jesus, he heard, you are my son that I love and I'm well pleased. You've all got that? There's an identity right there. It says straight away, The next verse, it says, immediately, Jesus went out into the desert where he was tempted by the devil. And do you know what the devil was after? His identity. If you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you are the Son of God. Throw yourself down off this building. If you are the Son of God, you can have a shortcut to the cross. Just get down and worship me now and all the nations of the earth will worship you. If you are the Son of God. What was the enemy trying to do? He was trying to take away and call into question the identity that the Father had said. Let me tell you, that same enemy is alive on planet earth and he wants to steal your identity because you will not fulfill the plans and purposes for God to the extent that we can unless we know who we are in Christ and what our identity is. Can I hear a good amen? So this morning, let me ask you again, who's, what is your identity? This morning, Christian, can I have the worship team up? Christian, brother, sister, Stop trying to find your identity in anything else other than Jesus. So I tell you, every other idol that we try and build our identity around, it will disappoint us, it will fall short, it will not be enough. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It will fall so far short. If only I can get that, I will be fulfilled. If only I can get that, I will be fulfilled. If only I can get that house, if only I can get that family, if only I can get that, if only I can get that, if only, if only, if only, if only Idols. We've made a good thing an absolute thing. They're not always bad things. We just make them something they were never meant to be. This morning, Christian, can I encourage you? Make Jesus the center of your life. Come on, just where you are for a moment. Just shut your eyes. Say, Jesus, I. I want you to be the center of my life. I want to identify with you this morning fully. Jesus, deliver me from idol worship. Idols are not little bits of wood or something that people have made or gold statues. It can be a whole lot of things. Jesus, deliver me from that. Let my identity, let my identity fully and completely be in loving and following you in Jesus' name. And Everybody said? Amen. Let's all stand. I wonder this morning if you've put your trust in Jesus, if you have trusted him to take you from being out to being in. Remember? There was a group of people they thought they were in because of their good works, because of whatever reason. Listen, the Bible says that all have sinned. Just like John said, that we all need to repent. The Bible says that all have sinned. Can I stress all? That's from the pastor to the plumber. Hey, no, wait, that's me in both accounts. Better not go there. From the whoever to the whoever, from the least to the most, all have sinned. All have fallen short. Our best efforts, our best day. On our best day, I fell so far short it wasn't funny. And this morning, only Jesus, through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, taking upon himself the price of your sin. Only Jesus on the cross, only Jesus on the cross and identifying yourself with that can you go from being out to in i wonder if there's anyone here this morning you never put your trust in jesus jesus wants you in he did all he could for you to be in simply pray this prayer this morning you know the bible says that jesus stands at the door of our heart and he knocks any man any man doesn't matter what you've been from doesn't matter what you've done it doesn't matter how much of a lot of failure you feel your life was any man, any woman, any person who opens the door, handle on the inside only, opens the door, I'll come in and have fellowship with them. I wonder if there are people this morning, you want to invite Jesus into your life, you say, Jesus, I believe in you. If there's anyone here this morning, I'm not going to call you out the front. I just want you to just, just identify, identify yourself so that I can include you in this prayer this morning. Is there anybody here this morning say, yeah, I want to identify with that. Lift your hand, say it's me this morning, Russell. I've heard it before, but I've never got it like this morning. I want to identify with Jesus fully this morning. Anybody here, just lift your hand up, hold it high, and I'm just gonna pray. Anybody? Hold it high. Father, I thank you this morning, and I trust that we all have identified ourselves with you. And now, Father, I pray this morning you'd help us to walk out what you have worked in this morning. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen Amen and Amen. We're going to.